0: Hi everyone, this is James from mkiaudio.tk and welcome to episode 11 of the mkiaudio podcast. You can find me on Twitter at mkiaudio and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash mkiaudio. I'm also on Google Plus and MySpace, so anyone using them can find me by searching for mkiaudio. The podcast is available on iTunes, so head over there and subscribe. And while you're there, please leave me a short review to let everybody else know about the podcast. The podcast page can be found at mkiaudiopodcast.tk There you will find show notes, past episodes and you can leave comments in any of the shows you're listening to. Uh, The questions and suggestions form is now up so you can fill in any questions you want covered on the podcast or if you have any suggestions for segments you can leave them there. Well that's the science bit out of the way so let's jump into the show. Okay, in this week's main segment we want to talk about uh, loops and samples, Uh, especially in the home recording world now, loops and samples have become quite a popular thing to be used in music, Uh, years ago electronic music might have been using them but uh, the more sort of rock or indie music would never have featured uh, loops or samples, but As we've moved into the more digital age, uh, even those sort of heavier rock bands and stuff are still using loops and samples in some way, shape or form. Um, So we'll start off by having a look at what loops and samples really are. But a loop or a sample is basically a piece of audio that is in the MIDI format. So this makes it slightly easier to work with than just a general WAV file. Uh, a loop is generally a phrase. Um, for example, maybe a drum beat or a bass line. Uh, so it usually lasts for a bar or a few bars, and you would generally just put that onto loop. Hence the name loop. And uh, so that would give you your drum beat or your bass line, or there's a few different things. Uh, samples are more individual hits, so you would get a snare sample, which is just one snare hit or it would just be a bass note, for example. Um, They're recorded in pro studios, so this is why small home recording studios can take real advantage of them, because generally, loops or samples are recorded extremely well, and they're very high quality, so if you're adding them into your music at home, even if your recording setup isn't brilliant, you're still getting a real good sound out of them. So, uh, They're of a higher quality than maybe what you can produce at home. Um, To use loops and samples, you would use them within a a sequencer. So this is basically just uh, a piece of software, which is usually built into most DAWs nowadays, but you can't get standalone sequencers. And what that does is it allows you to line up the samples or the loops in a certain order to get the sound you're looking for. Um, there's also other controls on there that you can play around with velocity etc to try and add a little bit of life in. But generally what it is, is just sort of a grid format where you line up the samples um, and the loops in whatever order you want them and they'll play it back throughout the track along with your audio. I mentioned before that most samples or loops are recorded in pro studios. So you may be asking yourself why do they all home recording studios not just use loops and samples And that way they don't have to fight to get a great sound. They've already got that Pro Studio sound. But there are disadvantages to loops and samples as well. Uh, So I'll cover a few of the advantages first. and We'll get them out of the way and then we'll talk about a few of the drawbacks. Uh, So obviously the first one is that they're recorded in a Pro Studio. So you've got a clear consistent sound quality. Uh, it's a very high standard usually, depending on the grade of your samples, you can get incredibly bad samples as well. But generally, if you've put a bit of money into it, you can get quite good uh, loops and samples. They also make, another advantage would be, they make multiple instruments available to small studios. So, if you haven't space in your studio for a grand piano, well you can get... Um, a loop, or a sample, or a virtual instrument, which is really runs off loops and samples. You can get something in your studio that is software based. It takes up no space other than on your hard drive, and you're still getting a quite accurate sound. Now it's not going to sound a real acoustic grand piano, but you will get quite a decent sound, um, that you can use, uh, in a mix quite well. Um, the other thing is that. As long as you have some understanding of notes and time signatures etc uh, you can pretty much play any instrument in the world if you understand how to use loops and samples and MIDI Um you may not know how to use the bagpipes but if you have a bagpipe loop then it's only a matter of you knowing how to program that loop and there you are you have a bagpipe track for your song you might not be using a bagpipe track, but that's just a, an example, a rare example movie. But anyway, any instrument in the world can be programmed into loops or samples. So you can play, if you understand the basics of programming MIDI and laying out these formats, then you can pretty much play any instrument in the world. Now those seem like quite massive advantages. But there are a few drawbacks to loops and samples as well, and this is maybe why they get a bad name in some instances. Although most sequencers give you some controls, um, like the velocity controls and stuff, to try and add a little bit of life into the track, the sounds can be very clinical sometimes. They're almost a little bit too perfect. Now, the best drummer in the world set down an acoustic kit will get pretty close to perfect, but they won't sound, so every hit won't be identical on the drum, and it maybe push the time a bit, or fall back a little bit through fills, etc. But it just adds life into the track, and for you to sit down and program that, it will take a long time. Now, it can probably be achieved, but there will be people out there, who will argue that you will never get the same sound, as an acoustic kit, through drum samples. And, The other problem is, if your computer isn't uh, quite a high-spec computer, virtual instruments or sequencers etc, if you're running a lot of instances of them in your session, they can take up a massive amount of processing power. So if your computer maybe isn't a really high-end computer, and you have maybe 10 or 12 sequencers running different loops and samples or virtual instruments, Your computer is going to be pretty bogged down, and it can make the mixing and recording process a real pain. So those are a few disadvantages of loops and samples. So depending what camp you're in, some people love them, some people hate them. Um, They do have their uses in all kinds of music, but if you prefer not to use them, then don't use them. Um... If you would prefer to use them, but you don't know how to use them, they can be quite easy to get used to if you just go out and practice with them. Um, I think the hardest part is trying to get them to sound natural. So I'm going to go on now and give you a few tips to try and get loops and samples to sound a little bit more natural within your tracks. Okay, the first one is to create your own loops. Now, what I mean by this is, if you have a specific drum beat loop... And you stick that into your session. If it's a standard one that's come along with your DAW or um, sort of a common one that comes with most uh, sampler packages, well then most people that use that are going to recognise it pretty, pretty easily. So if you um, put out a track and they're listening to the drum beat and they go, oh, well that look came along with Studio One. He's just stuck that in there." It doesn't seem that you've made a lot of effort to it and there's no disguising the fact that that's where it came from. Now most DAWs etc like I mentioned have uh, sequencers in them so you can actually use the samples that come along with your DAW to create your own loops and um, so make up your own drum beats or if you're using it for a bass line or a synth just Take a little bit longer at the start and create your own beat. Now you can copy and paste that across the sequencer, and it saves you a lot of time. But it's going to be something that's unique to your song that you've made up. There might be quite a common drum beat, but if you've played about with the velocities or maybe changed up the hi hats slightly, it makes it stand apart from those uh, well-known loops that are already built into the DAWs that people are going to recognize pretty easily. The next thing would be to use Um, real instruments within your uh, loops or samples. Now, again, I'm going to use drums as an example here, but you can use it for other things. Let's say you are creating your own drum beat. Now, previously, I don't know if this is a general consensus across the world, but in my mind, any loops or samples that I've listened to, cymbals tend to sound pretty horrible in them. Uh, I don't know whether cymbals are just a hard thing to capture or whether because they have maybe being compressed quite heavily to even out the sound on them they just tend to sound a little bit harsh, or they, they're not natural sounding so this would go with your hi-hats so if you're doing a drum beat and your hi-hats are playing away and they maybe don't sound quite natural, well if you have a friend that plays drums ask them if you can borrow your hi-hats So you would program your kick drum and your snare drum and then play the hi-hats yourself to get your beat. Or even create your own individual sample of that hi-hat. So it's one hit and then there's programs out there that will convert that into MIDI and they'll quantize it down so you can insert that in. And you have your own natural recording of a hi-hat hit. Now you maybe don't have to compress that as much as the people who were recording the samples would have. Or you can treat it in your own way to get your own sound before you convert that to MIDI format. So things like, or even you can do it with a snare drum. No, You can use your kick drums and the hi-hats from the sampler, but have your own snare drum there. Or maybe if your own crash cymbal, you want to record your own crashes or cymbal swells or anything like that. It just adds something a wee bit more natural to the sound, rather than all MIDI, and once again, MIDI you don't really get the room pushing back on it, or you don't get the room sounds along with it, uh, because they've generally been edited out to get the cleanest sound possible. But if you're recording your hi-hats, then that's sort of, you're getting the room sound with that there, uh, recording through the microphone, and uh, into your session. So that's covering a little bit of room sound for those sample drums. The last thing would be to use a MIDI controller to play the samples Now, there are loads of different MIDI controllers out there nowadays. The most common one that most people maybe already have would be a keyboard, or a keyboard controller, should I say. Now, some of these come with uh, samples, etc., already built into them, and then you can plug them in using MIDI or USB and control any other instruments you have on your computer. Um, Others are just a pure and simple controller. They have no sounds or effects on them whatsoever, You have to plug them into your computer to be able to control any kind of instrument. Now you might be asking how this can add life into your loops and samples or your sound. Because it's the same sounds being played, you're just triggering them in a different way. But remember what I was saying before about the sound can sound very clinical uh, whenever it's used in a sequencer. Well if you use a controller to uh, play back those samples, you're adding that performance side back into things. So you are using the samples and the controller to record them, but you're actually playing them yourself. So you're playing the keyboard, or if it's a guitar controller, you're playing that, or if it's a drum pad controller. Either way, whatever one it is, you're still using a performance to get the MIDI controlled and record it onto your computer. So you can change up the performance. It might not all be in time, and if it's not in time and you want it in time... There's a lovely little thing in most sequencers called the quantize button and the snap button. So you can quantize the whole thing down and snap it to 16th notes or uh, quarter notes or however specific you want to be. Uh, So using the controller to actually play it um, or create the performance adds a little bit of life back in. So not every note is going to be exactly on time. It's going to be whatever way you played it. So, you can set up an instrument on your computer. Um, what we'll go with this time? A harpsichord. You can set up a harpsichord on your computer, and you have your keyboard controller in front of you. So, every time you hit a key on that keyboard controller, a harpsichord note uh, will play from your computer and it'll be recorded onto a track. Um, so, there you are instant harpsichord track. Does anybody play them anymore? Or did they go out of the fashion with Mozart? Well, hopefully that will give you an idea of what loops and samples are. Uh, there are loads of different ways to use them, so I can't go into them all in one podcast. Um, another quick way would be using uh, kick drum samples to replace a weak kick drum in a drum recording. So you would use a thing called a trigger to that every time your uh, acoustic kick drum hit, it would play the kick drum sample. So it's a nice constant sound. It's being played, but it's still being played to the performance of the real kick drum. But as another podcast, um, (laughs) there's a bit more to talk about with it anyway. So let's go on and jump into the my advice section of the show. Okay, my advice this week is don't edit a podcast at two o'clock in the morning with uh, a new dog that you're not used to. Uh, that might sound a little bit random, but I got a comment through the week there from Paul in Australia who kindly pointed out that I had made a, an editing blooper on one of my previous podcasts. It was my first time editing with uh, Pre Studio One and made a few mistakes. There was a little bit of silence in the middle of it. Uh, so I had posted about it after I posted the blog or the podcast episode, but. Paul wrote me a very kind message saying that he was enjoying these podcasts and uh, he kindly pointed out my mistakes. So slap wrist for me, Uh, that's not the real, my advice. The advice I want to give this week is actually a bit of recycled advice from Ronan Chris Murphy and it was on how to deal with plosives. we all know we get a perfect recording, and we bring it up in the DOM, We're going through the editing process, and there's this big blast of low end noise that has sneaked into the recording. Maybe the pop shield hasn't picked it up, or uh, they maybe just been singing that little bit too close to the mic or too loud. And there's this big blast of low end uh, noise that ruins a recording. So. The obvious thing to do would be to pull out the microphones and record it all again. But if it's a perfect take, other than this one point, there is a way to deal with it. And Ronan Chris Murphy shared this over... can't remember if it was Ronan's uh, recording bootcamp or Ronan's recording show. But either way, you can check him out now. They're brilliant uh, shows and podcasts. It's actually a video podcast. But the way Ronan dealt with these is to go in and select the word that um, the plosive appears on and select the very start of that word so where the P sound is so you select that and go in and select an EQ and put a high pass filter onto it and roll off a lot of that low end it's similar to anything else you do if there's too much low end on it you put a high pass filter onto it to get rid of it so a plosive is pretty much just a blast of low end noise so stick a high pass filter onto it and roll it off Now, some people deal with plosives by simply turning them down, but you tend to lose the articulation of the word then, so plosive quickly becomes losive. Uh, But by doing this, you still get that P sound, but you um, take out all that low end that's really uh, boosting through on the track. So it's not a perfect fix for it, but it will get it a lot better than what it was before, and generally it can get it to a level that's acceptable and you won't notice it. Explosives are quite quick, they're quite instantaneous, they're not big long stretches of bad audio, it's just one little peak that has gone that little bit too far and snuck in there. So use a high pass filter on them, now this isn't an insert, It's a. you would have to print this straight to the track, but it's a great way to get rid of them or at least cut them down to an acceptable level. So that's it from this week's show, uh, thanks for tuning in again and listening. If you're liking what you hear, please head over to iTunes and leave me a review. Uh, Jump onto the comments section below this uh, podcast episode and leave me your thoughts. Or if you have any questions about anything I've covered today, I will do my best to answer them. Or at least point you in the direction of somebody that can tell you what to do. Uh, Quick reminder about the promotion I'm running on my blog. Uh, If you subscribe to the newsletter, I'm currently giving away my book, uh, Getting Started and Recording. So go over there onto the main page and stick your email address into the box and subscribe and you'll get a link to download that for free. Uh, generally I sell it on the website but uh, this month, uh, which is August 2012, if you're listening in the future, uh, I'm giving it away for free. I'm not charging anything for it. So head on there, subscribe and get that. The blog address is www.mkiaudio.tk and uh, i try to post articles up there every day and sometimes i skip a day depending on how busy life is or it gets in the way anyway so head over there and subscribe and you'll get uh, daily updates whenever i post a new article or a new podcast episode or a video to the youtube channel so that's it from this week thanks for listening again until the next time keep recording keep mixing and keep it simple